You know, being in Canada, I think it would be a mistake if we didn't uh, acknowledge the anniversary of the Humboldt bus crash and those families who were so impacted by all of that. And so I'd like to lead us in prayer about that particular issue right now. Let's pray, please. Lord, I pray that you would uh, bless those who have been most directly impacted by this event, which is now a year old, uh, but was, which is certainly not being celebrated as an anniversary, but instead is being shared by many with broken hearts. And Father, there are ways in which I'm sure that you are right in the middle of all of that, and you are working, and you are bringing about good from such a tragedy. And we praise you that that's what you do, that such awful things happen, and that you bring in the midst of that moments of illumination, moments of connection, moments of forgiveness, moments of healing. And Father, we pray for all of those involved in that event that you would do that, please, uh, even as we speak today. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen. I was thinking specifically uh, about the notion of forgiveness the last couple of days and, and that the bus driver has been on my mind. And I, like, I don't know, uh, I don't know how I would ever, if I was in the position of those families, forgive. Uh, but I hope that somehow, somehow there can be reconciliation and peace and, and not just bitterness uh, that is theirs. Several times in the last week, Jonathan and I have kind of looked at each other and said, man, what a great week this has been. And it started actually last Saturday with the leaders retreat. We haven't said a whole lot about that, but the leaders retreat was actually really wonderful. And many of you prayed about it. We did mention that last week that you prayed and fasted, and I thank you for that for sure. But as the week went on this week, as we moved into Monday and the staff got together and started talking about our time together, it was, it was really rich. It was good discussion, and I felt like God was right there, and He was leading us and blessing us. And for those of you who are at the Leaders Retreat who haven't heard about all of that yet, uh, you'll hear more about that in the coming days, just the way in which God seemed to be blessing us, especially on Monday as we met together. And... Uh, and it was just beautiful. It was wonderful. So continue to pray about that and ask God to bless us as we move forward in Him. We need God's presence so badly to be part of what we're doing. And it certainly was feeling that way on Monday that He was right there. Then on Monday and through Wednesday of this week, there were a number of us that were at the summit, the leadership summit at Alberta Bible College, some who are here today who also attended that event. And it was so rich. Leonard Allen had come from David Lipscomb University and was talking specifically about the Holy Spirit, and the sense of unity and fellowship and growth, and just, again, God's presence in the midst of that was really something to behold. And it was interesting. I, I, I thought, I don't know if, if we even have the ability to appreciate what Leonard is giving us. He was just giving us such rich stuff, and I don't know if we could even understand the depth of all of that. It was just really, really good. And so, praise the Lord for that. Uh, and he, he's just continued to work in many ways. And then the last couple of days, uh, I had a chance. Uh, Mark Desi's still up there. Jonathan and his dad came yesterday. We had a chance to go to Red Deer for the uh, Red Deer Men's Day. And we'd sent out some emails about that. And you really, guys, 
you missed a wonderful event. It was really, really good. And, and maybe next year when they host that again, which I'm sure they will, we'll have a chance to go again. And I just hope you kind of put that in the back of your minds and say, you know, next year I'm going to go on that Saturday and be part of the Red Deer uh, Men's Retreat. It was absolutely wonderful. One of the things that happened was that I met more preachers, more of those who are in ministry, more leaders in the church from Alberta, specifically in Churches of Christ, in the last 48 hours than I have met in the previous 13 years. And I, I'm being serious. Like, there was more contact between myself and, and Jonathan as well, uh, sharing and all of that. There was more contact between us in 48 hours, in the last 48 hours, than there had been in the previous 13 years. And so you can imagine, it was just a rich, rich experience. And I praise the Lord that we had a chance to be a part of that and enjoy it. It was absolutely great. So all of that to say that I think God's doing something. Like, God is active. God is, is present and active and he is coming into our world and into our lives, and he's doing things, and we need to be aware of this. And that's exciting, and it perfectly fits with what we're talking about today. We've moved into our new series, Call to Be Free, from the book of Galatians. And, and we've got this wonderful thing happening, I think, as God blesses us, not only with these kinds of events, but then through his word. Because one of the things that we're about to see here, and... If you would just move me forward to Hunter. Is that Hunter? Perfect. The spreading of the gospel is entirely dependent upon the direct activity of God. Entirely. Like if we do anything to spread the gospel, it's because he was working through us first. It's because of him. It's his presence, his spirit that does this. It's by God's revelation that he comes and brings to us the truth of Jesus. And the text we're going to look at this morning illustrates that so clearly. It so clearly indicates what it is that God is doing in terms of revealing himself to us. So I want you to turn to the book of Galatians, if you would. If you're looking at a Bible underneath the seats, it's on page 283, or sorry, 823. And I'm going to start in verse 11 of chapter 1. And, and this is a long reading, but it's... Uh, You've got you to read the whole thing to get the story, because there's a wonderful story here that Paul communicates to the Galatians for great reasons, and we get a, a glimpse into that story this morning. So chapter 1, verse 11, and I'm just going to read this, and again, it's long, but follow along, and I hope you really do have your Bibles out and you're looking at this with me, because you're going to get way more out of this if you're looking at your scriptures right now. Verse 11 says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Exactly what we're talking about. For you've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. And and for some of you, I've talked to people in the last couple of days from our church who actually don't know that story. Okay, And I I get that. Some people just are new enough to the faith or whatever. They don't know this whole story of Paul. But Paul tried intensely to destroy the church. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles... My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia 
So he goes into Arabia immediately upon his conversion, goes into Arabia. Then he says, later I return to Damascus, which is, of course, is where he was on his way to, he was on his way to Damascus when he was converted. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, who's actually Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I'm writing to you is no lie. And you can just hear Paul saying, look, you've got to understand, I'm telling you the truth here. I didn't make this stuff up. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia, which, by the way, is where Paul was from. He's from Tarsus, which is in Cilicia. And then he spent time in Antioch, which is in Syria. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ, so he didn't go down to Jerusalem. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me, which makes sense. He was trying to kill them. (laughs) And now he's not. Now he's supporting them. I, I think they would be happy about that. Then, after 14 years, so he spends 14 years in Tarsus, Cilicia, Antioch, up in that region. I went again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also, and I went in response to a revelation. And meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. And as we go on through the book of Galatians, we're going to see how huge this issue of circumcision was for them. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves, slaves again to the law. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. And, and why would they not add anything? Because his message was from God. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. And so Paul is putting himself on the same level as the apostle Peter. Peter has a mission to the, to the Jews, I have a mission to the Gentiles, and we're equal here. Verse 8, for God who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, again Peter, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I'd been eager to do. Well, there's the story, and it's a long one, I get that, but boy, it is wonderful to see the things that that Paul is relating about his story, and I think that God wants us this morning to see some things in this story that are of blessing. First, I want us to see a little bit of background here, and so I want you to turn... You can look at this in Acts chapter 9. We're not really... You can go ahead and flip there. Keep your finger in, in Galatians... But then look at Acts chapter 9, and I'm not, going to really, I'm not going to read this this morning. I just want you to see it. And the first half of this, down through verse 18 or so, is the story of Paul's conversion. He's on the road to Damascus, and Jesus confronts him and shows himself to him. And for Paul, that is absolutely decisive. And then, in verses 19 through 31, and I, we don't have time, I won't read all of this, But in verses 19 through 31, he basically tells the same story that we just read. It's a bit abbreviated in the book of Acts, but it's there. And so 
When you go home this afternoon or this week or something, turn to Acts chapter 9 and, and you're going to see that same story. And especially for those of you who haven't read that before, if you're a newer Christian, if you haven't read all of the book of Acts, I want you to see that that's there. This story of Paul and his conversion and the aftermath in terms of where he was traveling historically, it, it meshes with what he's telling us in the book of Galatians. Then Acts chapter 11, verse 25 through 30. And this is very interesting, at least to people like me, it's interesting. And I will read this this morning. Again, Paul is relating his story, and this fits very well with what's going on in the book of Galatians. If you look at verse 25, it says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Now, Saul, of course, is Paul. And so that's where he was. We mentioned this. He's from Tarsus, and he's in Tarsus for a considerable period of time after his conversion. You know, hanging around home and then... Uh, learning, I think, and, and in fact, I think re- receiving revelation from God. I think that's so much of what he's doing there is God is just teaching him and shaping him. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. Now watch verses 29 and 30. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters in Judea, which of course is where Jerusalem is. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And that last verse is really important because that's exactly what's happening in Galatians chapter 1 and 2. When it says in Acts chapter 11 verse 30 that Barnabas and Saul took a collection up and then took it to Jerusalem or took it to Judea for the saints there in response to the famine that's going on, that's the visit that we find in the book of Galatians. So as you're trying to track all of this and trying to see what's going on, I think that this history is really important. And in the midst of sharing this history, Paul says some beautiful things specifically about his gospel. So turn back to Galatians because I want you to see this. And I want us to read again verses 11 and 12 from chapter 1. Look at these verses. I want you to know, brothers and sisters that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. It's all about, in this passage, revelation. And it's interesting how, like we find that word, revelation, which, by the way, you know, the book of Revelation... The reason it's called the book of Revelation is because of a word that's found in the first verse of that book, the word apocalypsis, and that word means revelation, and that's the exact same word that's used three times in chapters 1 and 2 in Galatians, where Paul's talking about where he got his gospel. So you find that in verse 12, you find it in verse 16, and you're going to find it in chapter 2, verse 2 where Paul each time talks specifically about this gospel and his preaching And he mentions that it's by revelation that he receives it. In fact, the word gospel, which is the same word from which we get evangelism, 
That has both a verb and a noun form, and that's found three times as well, all three times very closely approximated to the word revelation. So you have revelation and gospel, and revelation and preached, and revelation and preaching. Three times in this section. Why? Because when the gospel is proclaimed, it's proclaimed by revelation. And Paul wants to make it so clear that he didn't make this stuff up. He instead absolutely credits God for what it is that he's preaching and proclaiming. And and here's what I want to say about this. We live in a time when people everywhere, especially younger people, are having serious questions about the truthfulness of Christianity. And there's some sitting here right now. I'm not going to stare at you right now. Okay, I'll just look around like this. I'm not going to stare at you, but I know there are some of you in this room right now who have serious questions about the truth of Christianity. I understand that. Like, is it really rational today to believe in the teachings of Christianity? Is it possible even to believe in Christ in our day? After all, it seems impossible to prove the truth of the things that we believe. I can't prove God to you. I can't prove Jesus to you. I can prove Jesus lived, I think. I think that's mainly uh, accepted by even the most skeptical historian. But I can't prove that he's the son of God. I can't prove that. I can't prove that the things in this book that I absolutely believe are true. I can't prove it. And people today doubt all the time whether or not these things are true. In fact, there is some pretty significant evidence, naturalist friends would say, that this is all a bunch of bunk, that it's not true. There are lots of people who would make just exactly that claim. And what I think is interesting in the book of Galatians is that Paul faced the same thing. In fact, Paul believed just like the naturalists. Paul was absolutely convinced that Jesus of Nazareth was not the Messiah. He thought Jesus of Nazareth was a blasphemer. He thought that anybody who would believe in Jesus was also committing blasphemy, and he was ready to kill them because they blasphemed God. And so he did. Paul participated in the murder of Stephen. He held the coats of those who threw stones and killed Stephen in Acts chapter 7 because Stephen, as far as Paul was concerned, was a blasphemer. And so he assisted in his assassination. And when Paul goes to Damascus, he's not just goofing around. He goes to Damascus not just to arrest some Christians. He wants to go to Damascus and arrest some Christians so that he can kill them. That's what he has on his mind. And what I want to ask this morning is, how did it all change? This man went from wanting to kill Christians to becoming one of the most devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ that the world has ever seen. He ends up going from, I'm going to kill these people, to, they are going to kill me. And they did. Like tradition says that Paul was beheaded in the city of Rome for his faith. 
You read the book of 2 Corinthians, and Paul catalogs all the hardships that he went through for the sake of Christ, all the nights he spent in the open waters, the, the beatings that he received, all the jail time that he spent, the way that he was completely rejected and persecuted because of his faith. And I want to know why. How is it that Paul went from I'm going to kill these people to I am one of them and in fact I am one of the most ardent proclaimers of the gospel that the world has ever seen? How did that happen? And it happened because Paul says he received a revelation from Jesus Christ. That's how it happened. Nobody proved God to him. He didn't have some kind of intellectual thing where all of a sudden he said, boy, I've searched this out and thought about it, rationalized it, sorted it all out, and I've come to believe that that Jesus is Christ. That's not what happened. Instead, it was all by revelation. Jesus showed himself to Paul. And the fact is, it's the key to everything. Again, I can't prove God, although I think there's excellent evidence for his existence. We can't rationally think our way into trusting Christ, although I think there's really rational reasons for doing so. But when God reveals himself to us, he's revealed himself to us in a way that makes himself truthful, becomes truth for us. This becomes our truth because he shows himself to us in the preaching of the gospel. In the good news about who Jesus is. And God, through His Spirit, enlightens our hearts through the good news preached, and we begin to believe. You know, the other day, um, when Leonard Allen was here uh, to share with us the, the beautiful things about the Holy Spirit, I had a chance to spend the first afternoon and, and much of the evening with Leonard kind of by myself. I picked him up at the airport. We went out to Bragg Creek. We went out. I tried to get him to the falls. And just, just literally as we got to the parking lot at Elbow Falls, I realized we had to turn around and go back so we could have dinner because <laughs> I, I had made reservations at the Calgary Tower. And so we pulled into the parking lot. I said, there's some falls over there. And then we drove back into town. <laughs> So we didn't even get to see him. But on the, on the way out there and on the way back, he and I, I, I've spent time with Leonard before. We've been together on several occasions, but never, you know, we're not close or anything. He's acquaintance more than anything else. But so we were sharing our stories with each other. So he told me his story, grew up in Florida. He told me about his dad and it wasn't a very good relationship he had with his father. And then he went on and, you know, he told me his story. And then he looked at me and he said, so tell me yours. So I started telling him my story. And after I told him my story... And, and about how I had at one point, like on a, I've told you this before, on a Wednesday morning, I'm walking up to the boys' cabins at this camp where I was, and I'm walking up with the rest of the guys, and I'm saying, what in the world am I doing here? This is a bunch of garbage. I don't believe any of this stuff. Why am I listening to these sermons and singing these songs that I don't want to sing, and da-da-da-da, and I was not impressed at all with what was happening. That was Wednesday morning, and by Thursday night, I had completely given my heart to Jesus. So I told that story to Leonard, and he said, Kelly, how did that happen? How did you go from Wednesday morning to Thursday night? And I looked at him, and I said, Leonard, it was the word of God. God revealed himself to me. And in the revelation of God coming into my life, preached to me, I believed it. 
and I was changed. And, and that's not, that's not a, a, a kindergarten kind of event in terms of understanding. Like there's a theologian named Carl Bart who's as astute as anyone, and Bart would say, absolutely, it's word of God that comes to us. But then it's the kindergarten also kid who can start to even get a, a picture of God and the truth of Jesus. God has made it easy for us to understand. He has revealed to us His Son. And when it happens, when we see the truth, we fall on our knees as if struck blind like Paul was. And we give ourselves completely to Christ because that revelation has come to us. And Paul says that's what happened to him. And so he didn't get it from anyone else. God revealed himself to Paul. And Paul was changed. Let me close with this passage. This isn't from Galatians, but man, does it make the point. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. Praise the Lord. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And my sense is that when Paul was on the road to Damascus, he was absolutely going the wrong way. But what he wanted more than anything else was to serve God. What he wanted more than anything else was to do what he thought was right and true. And he was dead wrong. And so God came and said, I'm going to show you the truth of my son Jesus. Because Paul, you've got a heart that's seeking after me. You are totally backwards here in your understanding of who my son Jesus is. But let me tell you, I'm going to show him to you. And you're going to have a chance to turn all of this around. And Paul did because he had a great heart. He was seeking after God. And God revealed himself to that kind of heart. Do you have that kind of heart? Are you more concerned about the things that the world wants to say to you and teach you? Or are you more concerned about truth? Spiritual truth. The reality of who God is in our world. I absolutely believe that when a person is asking and seeking and knocking, that God will open up the truth of Jesus to them. And so I pray that your hearts are open because God wants to reveal himself to you. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you Oh, I thank you for Paul. I thank you for this open heart who was, who was at one point so wrong about who Jesus was. And yet you, you didn't just push him away or turn him away or send him away. You showed yourself to him. And God, I'd pray that for every heart here today that you would show yourself to those who are here. Open each one of our hearts to the revelation that you want to give us in your son Jesus. And I praise you for the, the gospel that comes as this revelatory message. It comes from you, Lord. And we praise you for that. In the name of Jesus, amen.